listening to Gospel Garage, sharing the good news of the gospel through the teachings of Jesus Christ, our Savior. God, we know that you desire us to be full of your love and your hope so that we can lead and love well. Tune our hearts to your truth. Yes, Lord. We come together here with you. We stop to listen to your voice without an agenda, without petitions, without any purpose other than to hear you speak. Yes, amen. 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 9 through 12. The presence of the outlaw is apparent by the activity of Satan, who uses all kinds of counterfeit miracles, signs, spurious wonders, and every form of evil deception in order to deceive those who are perishing. Wow, because they have rejected his truth that would lead them to being saved. Because of this, because of this, God sends a powerful delusion that leads them to believe what is false. So then all who found their pleasure in unrighteousness and did not believe the truth will be judged. That's profound. That's a wake-up call. You know, have you ever noticed, like now more than ever, I think, uh, that the world is just seeming to spiral, to spiral more and more out of control. And things that used to be true are no longer true. And things that used to be wrong are now considered right. And whatever, whatever a person wants to believe is okay. And no one else can tell them it's not. Wow. In Second Thessalonians, Apostle Paul really is warning us about the direction the world is headed in. There will be an uprising of false teachings about God. Bad influences will be louder than any other influence. Holy Spirit does not want us, his beloved, to fall into these traps. So he gives us some tips on how to avoid believing these lies. And he also warns us to be ready, ready for the return of Jesus. Thank you, God, for your truth. Thank you. Your reassuring promise. Jesus returns. Second Peter 1 verse two through eight, my grace and peace be lavished on you as you grow in the rich knowledge of God and of Jesus, our Lord. I can pray this because his divine power has bestowed on us everything necessary for life and godliness through the rich knowledge of the one who called us by his own glory and excellence. And through these things, he has bestowed on us his precious and most magnificent promises so that by means of what was promised, you may become partakers. Oh my goodness, partakers with Holy Spirit after escaping the worldly corruption that is produced by evil desire. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith excellence, to excellence knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, to godliness brotherly affection, to brotherly affection unselfish love. For if these things are really yours and are continually increasing, they will keep you from becoming ineffective and unproductive in your pursuit of knowing our Lord Jesus Christ more intimately. <laughs> wow, I think there's going to be a lot of verses tonight that are worthy of reading again right in that moment because you see my friends honestly growth in our faith um it doesn't just happen we need to continually add to the teachings in second peter 1 5 3 to our faith building our faith with prayer with worship in preparation for the lies of the world that are thrown our way god has such an incredible plan for his people 
but if we lack these things, these teachings, honestly, we will have an incomplete Christian life. Peter goes on to say too there that, for he who lacks these things is short-sighted, even to blindness, and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. That's 2 Peter 1.9. I for sure do not want that ever said about me and my life or me and my walk. And when I face him, oh, when I face him, and I think on it too, that of all the characteristics, you know, they're simply evidence that we aren't turning to lies and false teachings when we have those characteristics within us. Instead, the very fruit of Holy Spirit that comes from us following Jesus is actually then affirmation that we are saved. It makes us confident in our salvation through Jesus Christ, him who gave his life for us. Hallelujah. Yes, Lord. We want that confidence deeply rooted and embedded in us. It's like <clears throat> thinking about this with this cold weather and looking forward to riding motorcycles in the summer. And so I was looking at motorcycles that we would daydream of. And I was thinking, have you ever experienced being out on your bike or in a car too, because that's happened to each of us, and the vehicle's low on gas. And then you're wondering if you're going to even make it to a gas station before being empty. And it's actually kind of a horrible feeling, especially if you're doing like long highway drives and you don't know where the next town is. And we don't want to enter heaven low on gas. That sounds really short and sweet, but it's the truth. We do not want to enter heaven low on gas, but instead really just cruise past that finish line so fully confident, so fully confident in the work of Jesus Christ and what he has done in our lives. We get to read, we get to, it's a privilege to read God's truth in the Bible and know for certainty, certainty that Jesus restores the very breath in our lungs. And he redeems time and he removes barriers. He removes barriers. That's a truth, like no barriers. Jesus does not recognize barriers. And furthermore, I believe really he demands, demands that we as his people must not become the barriers that block people from salvation. Well, that is a heavy call upon us. Think on that for a moment. like. We, as his people, must not become the barriers that block people from salvation. Jesus taught and still teaches throughout the Bible that there are to be no barriers between God and his people. No barriers, not because of race, of education, of sin, of income. No barriers based on Christian denominations, nationality, the neighborhoods we're living in. No barriers. And even like when I was thinking on that part, barriers, the barriers of buildings, buildings, four walls, 10 walls, whatever size your building is, the barriers of buildings are torn down by Jesus Christ during this global pandemic. Like flipping tables, Jesus has changed things. He is standing here among us, redefining gatherings, redefining fellowship of brothers and sisters in Christ, reminding us that church culture of the past has defined church as a place. And those places and our friends within that we can tell you we are missing deeply. We're missing those gatherings inside the church on Sundays. But we, God's children, are the very body of Christ. And Christ really is our church. And no matter where we meet, he is here with us. So it comes down to this. Barriers, labels, assumptions, stereotypes do not fit in the kingdom of God. 
They don't. Don't limit yourself and don't limit others by labels. Instead, let's see our identities with the eyes of our Savior, Jesus Christ, because God's truth is everything. And we are identified by his truth. Acts 11, 1 through 9. The news traveled fast and soon reached the apostles and the believers living in Judea that non-Jewish people were also receiving God's message of new life. When Peter finally arrived in Jerusalem, the Jewish believers called him to task, saying, Why did you stay in the home of people who aren't Jewish? You even ate your meals with them. Peter explained what he had happened, what had happened, pardon me, saying, One day when I was in the city of Joppa, while I was praying, I fell into an ecstatic trance and I went into another realm and I saw in a vision something like a linen tablecloth descending out of heaven, being let down by its four corners, and it got close to me. And as I examined it, I saw many four-footed animals, wild animals, reptiles, and wild birds. But then I heard a voice say to me, get up, Peter, <clears throat> kill and eat them. And I said, I can't do that, Lord. I've never eaten anything forbidden or impure according to Jewish law. The voice spoke to me again saying, nothing, nothing, no one, Nothing is unclean if God declares it to be clean. So I encourage you, and I think we'll probably attack it again this week with open minds. Um, Acts 11. Encourage you to read it full of prayer as you get into that word. And ears open to its teachings. It has a lot of different perspectives that are God's word to us. Peter heard God's voice instructing him. And look at it like God wasn't telling him specifically to go hunt for food as our fleshly mind would think of food. Because remember the time of history that was going on and Old Testament and all its rules and laws regarding unclean animals, unclean people, unclean food sources, clean and unclean rituals. You know, the vision Peter had, what if it wasn't actually about the food that we're ingesting, but the mental barriers that we're feeding on? the mental barriers that we feed on. Think about this section in Acts, reread it. Because if you read further, God was about to send Cornelius, an unclean Gentile, to Peter for him to teach and be with. So like maybe when God said, get up and kill and eat, he was really teaching Peter to kill categories, to kill barriers, to kill assumptions, take down the barriers, remove the labels. That would be Amazing. Acts 11, 13, 18. He shared with us about the angel who appeared to him and to him sent messengers to Joppa, Joppa to find Simon the rock. The angel had told him he will tell you and your family, Cornelius, the message of how you can be saved. Shortly after I began to speak, Holy Spirit was poured out upon them, just like what had happened to us at the beginning. And I remembered the words the Lord had told us, John immersed you in water, but you will be immersed in Holy Spirit. So I concluded that if God is pleased to give them the same gift of Holy Spirit he gave us after they believed in Lord Jesus Christ, who am I to stand in the way of God? When they heard this, their objections were put to rest and they all glorified God, saying, look what God has done. He's given the gift of repentance that leads to life to people who are not even Jews. <laughs> wow, we can't categorize or label people. Only God does that, even if he does or doesn't. You know, compartmentalizing God's people with eyes on self instead of God's truth as in the verse, really, it unravels the unity in the body of Christ. So God's truth, we stand on it. We believe in it. God uses people we don't know, 
in the church, on the street, in our workplace, Christian, non-Christian. You know, he uses people we don't know, people we don't understand, people we probably don't like, you know, to grow us, to grow us up in all things, to mature us, and to share the gospel. But most importantly, to share the gospel, to share Jesus Christ's teachings, to share his plan for salvation. That's revival, and revival's ongoing all the time, and it goes up and down, and it's a revival of one heart and a revival of a million hearts. So let's redefine revival and bring back the truth of God into it. We can look around and say revival's coming, but we're in it. We've been in revival for 2,000 years. It's amazing. It's organic. Ephesians 6, 14. Put on truth as a belt to strengthen you to stand in triumph. Put on holiness as a protective armor that covers your heart. So truth is anything that agrees with what God has said in the Bible and what God has created. God's truth is cut and dry. It's black and white and it does not change. And it's so interesting because how can something so static and immovable like truth, it is what it is, um, bring up such waves of emotion when we think of it? Some positive, some negative, because truth can bring order to chaos, right? It does. Truth brings order to chaos. It can settle a long-standing argument and set us free from the bonds of deception. And the truth can also be viewed as harsh, too, because there is no room for gray areas and no room for compromise or negotiating because truth is truth. God's truth is like concrete. And while truth can be painful to accept, my friends, honestly, remember that when facing the truth, you're so loved by Jesus, so loved. You are created with a purpose and there's nothing, nothing you can do or say that'll disqualify you from God's mercy and love. That is truth. Nothing can disqualify you from God's mercy and love unless you choose, because we've been given that gift of choice by God, right or wrong. If you choose to remain separated from him, that's between you and God. Isaiah 55 verse 6, seek the Lord while he makes himself available. Call to him while he is nearby. Man, like have you ever paused for a moment and recognized just incredible the gifts of God are forgiveness, restoration, eternal life. Oh my goodness. It, gift isn't even a big enough word for that. And all of those gifts are to be a piece of our testimony too, right? Throughout our life. To be shared for the very salvation of others. Like, whoa, God, God, you are holy, holy, holy and righteous. He has revealed himself through everything he has created. And no one can claim that they have not seen his very nature living among us, the trees, the snow, the cold, the sun, the heat. His anger must burn against those who are wick living wicked lives, which only he can judge. Those who are living lies of what the world is feeding us right now and has for thousands of years. Lies that imprison his children. They lock us up in a cycle of cover-ups, addictions, shame, and actually isolation is what it leads to. So the truth has the opposite effect. God's truth. God is truth and he has the opposite effect on our lives. He is not restrictive. He is not oppressive. He is so freeing, freeing. John 8, 31 through 32. To the Jews who had believed in him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. I know that that last part is often used in modern culture, slogans, etc. But if you hold to my teaching and you really are my disciples, is what Jesus said.
Did you catch that? Like, knowing the truth sets us free, but knowing God is the truth gives us freedom. Uh, this freedom, I think, too, results from our close proximity to and trust in Jesus, like the truth. Because you see, walking in truth isn't really just adhering to a list of God's rules. It's way more than that. It's enjoying a relationship with our Savior, with the liberator of all captives himself. He's like right here hanging out with us. The liberator of captives. He who sets captives free. Luke 4 verse 18. The spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind. Man. That's amazing. Do you ever wonder these days where the truth is too? Like when you're flicking on the news or you're walking by a newspaper stand with all the fake news, the different opinions, the different perspectives, you know, literally flying in and out of our lives all day where it seems like each side has their completely black and white to them own version of the truth and an idea of what they should believe. And that's everywhere. That's within Christianity. That's within the modern world. That's within non-believers. You know, it's frustrating. It's a little scary. It's certainly confusing to navigate all the supposed facts that we are constantly bombarded with. Political facts, education facts, certainly right now, the pandemic facts. I mean, think about it. 2,000 years ago, Pilate, the Roman governor, he, 2,000 years ago, he who questioned Jesus himself at his trial felt that tension too and exasperation. And he exclaimed, what is truth? John 18, 37. You are king then, Pilate asked. You say that I am king, Jesus replied. I was born for this and I have come into this world for this, to testify to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. What is truth, said Pilate. After he had said this, he went out to the Jews again and told them, I find no grounds for charging him, Jesus. I think maybe what Pilate didn't realize in that exact moment, but must have realized it pretty soon after, was that he was literally staring truth in the face when he asked that. Because Jesus in 14 verse 6, John 14 verse 6, claims to be, so go back, John 14 verse 6, claims to be and is the way, the truth, and the life. Meaning truth is not what, but who. Truth has a name and a face, and that name is Jesus Christ. I find that mind-blowing. Truth is a who. God is truth. Like we can wonder too at how can Jesus so boldly claim to be the truth? Honestly, truth is defined as that which is consistent with the original or with reality. Interesting. So John 1 verse 1, in the beginning, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. So what does that mean? Jesus was with God in the beginning. He is God. Therefore, Jesus, more than anyone or anything else ever is, ever was, is consistent. He has been here and there from the very beginning. And because truth is tied to the person of Jesus, Jesus is truth, there are things we know for certain. Truth is not relative. It's re relational. Jesus. Holy Spirit shows us what is truth based on our relationship with the one who is the walking truth, Jesus Christ. In other words, truth is not whatever we want it to be based on how we're feeling or the education we've had or what our actual worldly beliefs are or what culture says at any given moment. No, truth is not that. Truth is rooted in Jesus. He who invites us, each of us, into a relationship with him. We can know truth 
because we can know Jesus. Holy Spirit teaches how important our very basis of truth in God is. Like it's our foundation. It really, really is. So if we choose to rest our lives on something that doesn't last, like the opinions of others or the trend in culture right now or the mob mentality going on, we will always have to pick up the pieces of broken lives, broken relationships, challenging circumstances to say the least. But when we choose, my friends, when we choose to build our lives on the solid, unshifting foundation of God as truth, cultural trends, and again, opinions that ebb and flow, crazy things that are happening in the world and in our own lives, we will endure them because we stand with God and he stands with us. We stay standing. We can even be that beacon of stability for others as we're called to be that light for others. Ephesians 3 verse 20 through 21, never doubt God's mighty power to work in you and accomplish this. He will achieve infinitely more than your greatest request, your most unbelievable dream, and exceed your wildest imagination. He will outdo them all for his miraculous power. His power constantly energizes you. Now we offer up to God all the glorious praise that rises from every church in every generation through Jesus Christ and all that will yet be manifest through him, through time, through eternity. Amen. Wow. God is truth. Thank you, God, for relentlessly pouring it into us, correcting us when we stray from it, for teaching us, reminding us, presenting us with the truth, holding our chins up so that we face the truth. God, God, thank you. We are somber and we come humbly into your presence for there's an ever encroaching darkness that's spreading across our nation in particular and the world in general. And morality, God, and truth and virtue are so quickly being replaced with an evil and unbiblical society. By your grace, Lord, by your grace, we are confident in Jesus, he who is all that is, all that was, and all that will be. Thank you, God, thank you. We pray, we pray that you bless and protect those that are seeking to uphold the truth, your truth of the gospel, and give each one spirit-empowered discernment, discernment and wisdom to follow the path of your truth and to renounce the evils that are seeking to suffocate and confuse those who trust in your holy name. Yes, Lord, thank you that the power of Holy Spirit is within us. He's waiting for us to invite him in. He's waiting for us to seek us, God. Thank you for that. Thank you for not removing that from us. Thank you for waiting on us, for forgiving us, God. You've enabled and empowered all those that trust in Jesus as our risen Savior to stand firm. Thank you that you've endowed us with the spiritual armor that we need, that we have to have to stand fast in these evil days. Thank you for your truth and mercy and love and your creation. We pray hope, we pray healing, we pray deliverance, we pray love, we pray rejoicing, we pray salvation, we pray revival. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. You've been listening to Gospel Garage. To ensure you never miss an episode, please subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player or visit us at gospelgarage.ca forward slash podcast.